Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kozlik, joined us by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, it's it's been a shitty week for news. Yeah, it has, and just kind of a long week in general. So yeah, 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 it has. Um, listeners, unfortunately, today we start the Televerse with the news of Tony Bourdain's death, and uh, I, I imagine at some point we'll want to do a spotlight on on just like any of his shows. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. are terrific, the ones that I've seen at least. Um, yeah, I like. I've been surprised how much the the death of of Tony Bourdain has like impacted me. It as we record, it's still you know something that's in the past like twenty four hours. Um, of course, this week also uh, Kate Spade died as well. Um, both uh, had apparently been suffering from depression and committed suicide so it's been a, a rough week for a lot of people out there i'm sure um but i bet i was surprised because i i don't watch his shows really i don't like i've seen them but i don't like usually like seek them out um and i'm sure he could be quite an asshole <laughs> it's part of his thing yeah yeah but uh he was always someone very interested in humanity and other people and in in exploring and celebrating and depicting um, cultures around the world, people around the world, all different kinds of of, of lives and um, fighting for underdogs and underrepresented people. And so I think that's why it's like I had to get off of Twitter today. I had to like because I would forget, you know, and I'd reach for my phone and then I'd be like, oh, what's going on? It's like, oh, yeah, that's that that's right. Twitter is, I'm sure, very cathartic for a lot of people today. But for me, it was just like a re-wounding, you know, and a very distant, not actually like not to overhype or whatever my connection to this celebrity. But um, but yeah, it's I was surprised how much this one this one hit me. Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry that it hit you that hard. Um, uh, I've enjoyed Bourdain's work. Um, I've never felt particularly like super compelled by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, his uh, willingness to turn a lot of spotlights onto different types of food cultures, especially internationally, um, has been really good and productive. I think, and I think that there's. He, his willingness to sort of do that kind of food travelogue stuff and not really hold back on what he was feeling or what he was thinking and I think added quite a bit to sort of a that spate of like massive amounts of food travelogue programs that cropped up a lot and tended to be either really focused on one particular type of food um or one particular sort of platform for getting food whereas his stuff always really kind of pushed what what we were looking for in food and how we were relating to food and i think that this is really valuable and really important so it's it's a loss from a food culture sort of standpoint for sure yeah 
as listeners uh and anybody involved in the emmys who's listening i expect to see his face up there on the in memoriam or i'm gonna be pissed (laughs) i'm gonna be so pissed but a big loss and certainly one felt by all sorts of of people today um let's move on to some some happier news tv wise uh we had some renewals today um we had or this week i should say and ones i hadn't heard about so yay for that the big one for me is atlanta coming back for season three do we have any information on like when that's gonna be no um i don't think so not yet um i think i saw like next year sort of circulated but i also just went you guys are really going to have to push to get it done for <laughs> next year. Um, so I kind of have my doubts. If it's next year, it'll be like late next year. Um, but yeah, so that got picked up for a third season, which is great news. Yeah. Um, 13, reason why, 13 Reasons Why got picked up for a season three. And I mean, there's plenty of just strike yeah. up 13 <laughs> Reasons jokes to be made. Um, I have... After really being affected by the first season and certainly many of the performances, I have not at all sought out the second season. I've been, I, I heard a little bit of what happens. It's like, no, I don't need that. Really don't need that. Um, and uh, let alone a season three. I'm not surprised given Netflix's model, but you know, I'm just trying to focus on the fact that the I, Sense 8 finale dropped today and it is glorious and amazing. I imagine we'll talk about that next week. Um, yeah, and I know that 13 Reasons Why getting two extra seasons has nothing to do with Sense8 not getting more seasons, but my lizard brain wants to blame. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like the entire budget for 13 Reasons um, is probably just half of an episode of Sense8. But I would so <laughs> rather have that half an episode. Ah, I know that they're not related. It's a very immature response, but... Again, that's where my lizard brain goes. Good. Yay for the cast of 13 Reasons Why. They're all very talented. Um, I'm not going to watch, but hey. Yeah. Um, I will watch Younger, which got picked up for season six. The, the season premiere is this week. And even after like falling off so hard for both of us last season, I was so there for the Younger premiere. I was like, oh my goodness, yeah, Younger's back. I'm so excited. And I love the premiere. We'll talk about it late in our weekend TV. But um, yeah, it's just like, even with knowing that likely the same thing will happen this season and by the end of the season i'll be like guys you really uh expect but i'm still excited that it has season six so more sutton foster in all of our lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um shadow hunters is no more sadly at free form i i never watched it i like it's one of those where i was just like i i maybe it's good sure why wouldn't it be but like nothing about it it's like that one and there's one about mer mer people right sirens also, yeah, that, that starts or started already, I think. Yeah, I'm not interested in either of them. So listeners, let me know <laughs> if I'm wrong and I should seek them out. Are, are, were you surprised by this one? I was a little surprised. Um, I, I just know that a number of people, I, I know a few people who really enjoy the show. And so I imagine that they're very disheartened by it being canceled. Um, but I am a little surprised by it. But I also think Freeform is still really trying to figure out what exactly it is. And... It's sort of trying whatever works at this point, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we had the news of a new show from Sarah Bareilles and J.J. Abrams. They're going to be producing a half-hour musical dramedy for Apple. And as much as I do not need <laughs> another source for TV, I'm very excited about a Sarah Bareilles show. 
Um, and I know that I'm more enthused than you are. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I just, I dread a mystery box musical sort of setup. Um, but it sounds, it sounds entertaining. And if it was, it sounds like it could be entertaining, at least just based on the two creatives involved. Um, but like you, if it, if it's on, if with it on Apple, it's just like, no, I'm not giving another platform. I just canceled my CBS All Access subscription until <laughs> Star Trek Discovery restarts. Um, and that's not until like next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, I, I'm not going to give Apple money. So yeah. Well, we'll see when that actually starts to surface. But hey, if there's new uh, Cerebralis music I'll, every week, I will be I will be happy. I, I this week, as I tweeted about, I did finally legitimize my TV music collection. I bought the soundtracks for Steven Universe and Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and they don't have season three out yet. So hopefully that'll come out soon. But Gallivant and and some, some other ones too, and. Because uh, I had like, you know, like the old school recorded on the DVR off of the TV or the VCR. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had that level of like really shitty audio recordings from like YouTube and stuff that I would like yeah, yeah, spin yeah, yeah. up every now and again. And I was like, Kate, Kate, you can't keep doing this. You're a musician. <laughs> Come on. So when I finally was, had a little extra extra cash sitting around that uh, I could give to that. I was very grateful to it. So I was re-listening to all of that great original music and just really appreciating the people who actually can do a very hard thing, which is compose original music for TV and do it well. So hopefully yeah. Burrells will be one of those. Um, the last news item we have here is that apparently that uh, Darlene uh, Roseanne spinoff might actually be happening. Yeah, there's still talks. Um, ABC seems keen on making sure that people are keeping their jobs. And Sarah Gilbert, um, who was really leading the Roseanne revival in the first place, is has been trying to get that off the ground. And even the production studio pro- behind Roseanne has gotten like directly involved with the negotiations of like getting this made um there hasn't been any buzz about it since thursday um which is when i popped it up here um so i don't know what's happening and i think a lot of this is also just abc make trying to also shore up their schedule um since this was going to leave a very large hole yeah that wouldn't surprise me at all um but you know we'll see when uh we hear a little bit more about this one, I, I just, I don't care. But, you know, right, I know yeah. some people do. And, you know, I'm all for people keeping jobs. Roseanne being terrible shouldn't cost anybody their jobs. Though they could argue they shouldn't have had those jobs to start with. Because why would you hire Roseanne? However, let's, you know, it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole. And there are more interesting yeah. things to discuss. Including he- hearing from a few of our listeners this week. Now, this is prompted by, I I swear we got a comment at the website from a new listener with okay. giving their thoughts on the Americans finale, but I can't find it. <laughs> so I... Are you sure it wasn't a Russian plot? I, like, they, I know that it started with them giving their thoughts about what happens to the page and, like, what, like, after the show ends, what what's going to happen, like... But I can't find it, listeners. It's not... I don't have the email that I remember getting that's like, new comment, approve, right? And I can't find it at the website. So maybe the person, like, deleted the comment, or maybe I'm just crazy. However, if you left us a comment at the website about the Americans, 
thank you. I would like to read it again. Please post it again. And if I'm just crazy, so be it. On a similar vein, this caused me to go digging through the comments of the website and the spam folder. And in the spam folder, yeah, I found like six or seven amazing comments from 2016 about Lexa and the the hundred that like Mm -hmm. someone had included like a link to like a, a YouTube video, like with reactions and stuff like that. And so because of that, our stupid website just assumed it was spam. And right. No, that happens a lot. Yeah. And I hadn't checked in there because everything else in the spam folder was like Viagra and Cialis and like. Yeah. Work from home and earn $800 a day. Exactly. So, and so that, so I was just like about to like delete all and I noticed like the words Lexa and I was like, wait a second. That's not going to... Okay, so that I actually looked a lot closer. And so I'm very sorry if you left us comments about the 100 and you thought that we were filtering them off of the website. That was not intentional, and I should have been more on top of that. Um, thank you for leaving comments two years ago. You probably aren't hearing this. Because why would you listen after we said, please leave us a comment, and then like ignored your comment? So uh, sorry about that, though, guys. Uh, we did hear from on Twitter from Carl, who's catching up with the terror. And Carl, I do want to know when you finish. So, like, reach out because, uh, yeah, you got to one of the, you got to the Kieran Hines ladder sequence thing. So, mm-hmm. I was enjoying your reaction, Carl. And I would like to know your thoughts on everything else. Thug Yoda, reach out about uh, Killing Eve and really appreciating Sandra O's casting in that role, even if maybe Eve is in his favorite character. I assume it's his or her, I don't know, their favorite character. And Susan, reach out about the Americans as well. So thank you for listening, Susan. And I enjoyed talking about the Americans. I imagine at some point in the future, I'll want to do a whole show spotlight, but I'm going to need to set aside like so much time to prep it and find new guests to have on. (laughs) It's the whole thing. I do know, Noel, I'm not going to make that, be your make you watch a thon because I am not that that mean, but um, yeah, and we still have that leftovers one that we've been planning on doing for years, so maybe we should do that mm-hmm. one next. I don't know, but thank you, listeners, for reaching out. Sorry if you left a comment at the website and dared to include a link, and therefore got triggered as spam. We should say at the end of the show, we'll be talking about this new half season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt um, and and diving in with that. Looking forward to chatting about that with you. And I I have some thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Are they about the Soda Trickery Council? That I I didn't I did enjoy that, um, but yeah, well, more more when we get to it. But for now, uh, it, you know, I'm, I've been a little under the weather and I've been super low energy. So I'm listeners, I'm still behind on Queen Sugar and on Reverie. And so when I realized I wasn't gonna have time to catch up on those, I was like, okay, we're gonna go for breadth. We're gonna get like one episode of more shows rather than three episodes of one show. So it's it's a, again a shorter week in TV, but we do still have. Plenty to talk about. Uh, oh, I should also mention here that when I mentioned the Americans, I was a guest over on Consequence of Sound's TV party with friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, and of course, Clint Worthington, which we got to get Clint on over here, too, at some point. Yeah. Um, but we talked about um, which character from the Americans, if you could only pick one character, who is the best character on that show and had a, a, a combination knockout, you know, knockdown, dragout fight and 
also, did Henry win? But we love them all, so we don't want to pick favorites kind of thing. So it, it was mm-hmm. there was a bit of tonal like disparity <laughs> as we went back and forth. Henry, uh, you know, Henry doesn't get mentioned, <laughs> which I think is pretty good for Henry, all things considered. Lots of love for male robot. Um, but anyways, you can go over to Consequence of Sound and check that out if you are looking for more Americans talk. But now let's take a break, listen to a little music and come back with our week in TV. We'll be right back right after this. If I was not myself and you were someone else, I'd say so much to you. TV. We're going to talk again. It's it's premiere season. We got more premieres and one finale. We're going to kick things off with Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, which started up over in Freeform with First Light and Suicide Sprints. Uh, then Noel's going to check in with Fully Progressive, which had restart. Um, it's you know third season premiere. I checked in with the younger premiere, hashtag Liza2, and we're both going to talk about the finale of The Last OG Clemenza. Then we'll just spend a few minutes on Full Frontal with Samantha B, specifically her apology for all the, the drama last week, which y'all might remember. And we'll round things out with RuPaul's Drag Race Evil Twins, so the anti-penultimate episode of the season, the penultimate non-reunion episode. Yeah. I think Actually, that's our anti penultimate non reunion. But, anyways, let's kick things off with Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Now, I've just seen the first episode of this and just like the yeah, same. beginning of the second. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to be checking out that second episode pretty quick because this is a really strong premiere, like, especially that opening sequence. Well done, Marvel. Yeah, this is. I think that there was a lot of understandably kind of jokey um, sort of things about Marvel deciding to do Cloak and Dagger. Um, Since these are like C-list, D-list almost um, heroes that were really popular in the 70s and 80s. And well, Marvel tried to make them really popular and it didn't really work. And then the idea of turning them into teenagers on free form just seemed like a weird sort of idea. But like you said, that first episode is really well done. It's really compelling. And I think that the show is really well done in terms of being deeply, deeply character driven. And I find that really compelling and a really good way uh, forward for Marvel's television kind of overall. But especially for a show where there's no clear antagonist, um, like a villain, arch villain sort of antagonist. Um, that being really character driven and also being really hopefully going forward, because this is one of the cool things about Cloak and Dagger in the comics is that they were also really issue driven. 
So going forward, I'm going to be really interested to see how much of that carries over into this television show. There's already hints of it, I think, happening within this premiere, First Light. So like you, I'm really eager to go and watch Suicide Sprints, which is the second episode that they did as a two-part premiere. Yeah, it should be, uh, like, there's a lot of fodder right there. It should be very interesting to see how they choose to develop and expand. I think the cast is good. I think the two leads are compelling and have good chemistry. I think um, at least I, I'm not familiar at all with the source material. I did a quick, you know, Wikipedia lookup, and based on just like the opening lines of the Wikipedia entry, I feel like these were very smart changes to the backstory. Um, what we see in, in the opening, like five six minutes, is much more compelling than they randomly meet and strike up a friendship and then get injected with superpower drugs. Like this is much better, um, and. You know, there, I have some little quibbles with, you know, like what, how we see, um, I'm just going to call her Dagger because I don't remember her name Tandy. yet. Thank Tandy. you. Tandy yeah. manifests. The situations under which she manifests the light for the first time is not my favorite thing. Yeah. I rolled my eyes really hard. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, because for those who don't know, uh, Cloak and Dagger, uh, one of them can kind of teleport through like a dark dimension. I don't you know if they're going to go into that in the show or just like can teleport. And the other one can shoot beams of light um, yeah. as weapons Daggers, or basically, yeah. potentially to cure one's uh, drug addictions. With If they go the same way that they've gone for certain chapters of this duo's history in the comics. Um, so, so there's uh, lots of potential for teenagers winding up like waking up in random spaces which is i think there's a lot of fun you can do with that uh, there's a lot of great dramatic potential but there's also lots of great comedic potential um yeah and and i think that's uh really committing to the, some of the confusion and darkness for these characters right off the bat is smart and uh, they still though do feel like kids enough yeah but it you know i think it's a good follow up to runaways and uh, shows some of the same strengths as Runaways, even though it's a very different kind of show. But yeah, I'm, I'm certainly very interested to check out the second episode. And I will be doing that after we finish recording. <laughs> yeah, I think the sort of minor tweaks, especially, and this reminded me a lot of like Runaways. Um, hopefully they don't like take as long as Runaways does. But the the fact that Tandy and Tyrone don't immediately become like BFFs, yeah. I think is really significant. And allows for both of them to explore these powers that they've gotten together um, and separately. And I think that that's, that allows for two different sorts of stories to be told and how we're going to find out about these issues that they're both um, interested in dealing with. I think it's going to be really great. And I like the fact that both of them, with their powers of to see like what... In Tandy's case, she's able to see, like, what they want, and he's able to see sort of, like, their big fears. And I, this the duality of this, I think, is also going to be really compelling and really interesting. Um, and I'm also, just as a Marvel geek, I'm really excited for Roxlan, which is the company that owns the oil rig that has the accident that causes the powers and everything. is has always been, like, circulating, circulating so much in the Marvel un- television universe. I like that it's a little more present 
at least right now. That just makes me happy because Roxanne's always just so awful. <laughs> um, so I like that. And so I'm, I'm really curious to see how this goes going forward. Um, and that, yeah, I just, I really want this to be really character and issues driven. So I'll be really curious to see how much of that carries through. I think that like the detective Connors is like the closest thing they have to an antagonist really. And um, I think that that's smart. I think that's smart because figuring out what these powers are and what it means for both of them as individuals, but also as the sort of opposite sides of one another. I, it's just, it's, it should be really, really good. And I'm hoping that it, it will be really, really good. And I think the decision also to like relocate to New Orleans is really good and promises a lot of, a lot of really good, rich material, especially because they're also filming it in New Orleans as well. So that's really exciting as well. So I'm, I'm pumped about this. Yeah. And even just on a purely superficial level, they nailed the hoodie. And yeah, they, they do. That's like the kind of thing, like the size of it, even like well done. And, uh, yeah. That's that that that's a little detail like that that I really appreciate. But anyways, let's move on to our next premiere, which is Fully which came back after what, like 15, 20 years or something? Yeah, a while. A long time. Um <laughs> yeah. with Fully Progressive on Adult Swim and Restart. Now I have not had the opportunity to watch this one yet, and I'll be very honest here, listeners. I've seen the entirety of Fully at least twice. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it when I watched it, and I can't remember a goddamn thing about it. So please refresh me. What is this one again? Like I've seen just enough anime that they get confused in my head, and not enough that I'm good at keeping them separate. <laughs> right. So the original uh, Fulikuli deals with a 12 year old named Nauta, um, and um, he ends up getting hit in the head with a guitar slash Vespa by um, Haruko who is an alien who's trying to do something and ah, this sort of thing. And yes. he, robots keep coming out of his forehead in sort of vaguely phallic imagery. Of course. Vaguely. Come on. Vaguely. Yeah. No, very blatantly phallic imagery. <laughs> um, and so it's, like you said, it's been about 15 years, um, if not a little bit more. Um, like it aired in America in like um, 03. Um, and so, yeah, and this is for a lot of people, especially around my age, um, Fulukuli was a really sort of touchstone sort of production, um, of anime and it's, it's very good overall. I think, um, it holds up really well. It's very silly. It's very weird, but it's also weirdly sentimental about youth and nostalgia and, but also the pain of growing up. And so that's why it's a really popular sort of touchstone. And so I've been really sort of wary about the fact that they wanted to bring it back for um, another season, a season two or season three, depending on how you want to slice it. Um, And so this takes place years um, after um, the original, the first, first series and refocuses instead on the story of Hidomi, who's a disenchanted, quiet, um, silent, basically, uh, young woman, uh, teenager, um, who sort of like Nauta um, doesn't expect anything from her town. 
um, that she's living in, even though, like Nauta's town, there's a giant medical mechanica iron sitting up on a hill somewhere um, that may, like, iron out all the differences and this sort of thing. She's having these weird visions as well. Um, the first episode for me just doesn't justify itself um, in its existence yet. And the decision to really riff on a number of different aspects from the first episode, from getting hit in the head with a convertible to fighting a weird sort of spherical type of robot that came out of someone's head that wasn't quite right. All of this stuff is like really riffing on the first episode. And so I was waiting for it to be distinct. And hopefully as it goes forward, it will become more distinct. But initially it seems like a lot of sort of reboots slash continuations of wanting to ground itself a lot in what people expected from people loved about the first version um the first season um the first yeah iteration i guess and so we'll see going forward um how it's going um the pillows come back for the scoring even though ron does a lot of the instrumental work but the pillows do all still do a couple of the songs and that's great because uh the pillows music is I really can't think of either ser- either the series or the pillows without thinking of the other one because that's how really entwined their music is to um Fully Cooley. So we'll see going forward. Um, but God, the music's just so great and that makes me happy because I love that. I love the soundtrack for the original series a great deal. So we'll see going forward um how it's going. I don't know that this is gonna be something that I'm going we'll check in every week um, or if it needs that but we'll see I guess I guess we will and I do plan to catch up with this one first Queen Sugar then Reverie then this one (laughs) yeah so that we can hopefully talk about it next week Um, but uh, yeah the uh, yes I I am curious like you say to, to see what perspective 15 years brings and hopefully some otherwise why (laughs) yeah and that's like the one sort of antsiness about this is that the decision to refocus on a young woman in is like interesting and good and then you go there's not any women involved with the production yeah and kate's yeah exactly so that makes me a little antsy about how this is going to be depicted and what the commentary on this is going to be like um but yeah, I guess we'll see. We will see. Um, one of the premieres I did make time for because it's just this delightful souffle, and in a week that but had then a the souffle shit, collapses. <laughs> in a, a week that had a bunch of shit, and I'm sorry to welcome you to the table, Ontarians. I'm really sorry that you 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 had the the morning after election that some of us, many of us had last year. Sorry, two years ago now. Oh God. Anyways, the point being, I was all here for some escapist silliness and ch- and charm offensive, and that's what the younger premiere brought. Hashtag lies to two, as you can tell from the title. This is the at least the start of a potential continuing arc centered around Me Too. And when like the first workplace scene in this episode, Noel, is Charles ask like bringing Liza into his office, the office where you y'all remember they had some steamy, steamy make out sex scene stuff going down to ask if, you know, he's been made aware that, you know, he needs to, he's been reflecting and thinking about like, 
inequality in the workplace and making sure she has not felt pressured about anything. Like, it's like, yes, this is how you do. This is how you do the, oh shit, that is super inappropriate. And I thought I read this the right way, but what if I didn't? And I need to, this is the responsible, like appropriate reaction. Like, well done. And they pivoted into something else, but, um, which fuels then the rest of the episode and could drive easily the rest of the season if they want it to, um, which I won't spoil. Are you planning to watch or no? Um, maybe. I really haven't decided yet. I was pretty just kind of bummed out by the finale. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, I pulled everything off the DVR for it. Yeah. Um, so maybe. I was planning on it just checking in the premiere so we could discuss it. Uh-huh. I just didn't have time. Yeah, well, no, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, and the nice thing about it is that everything we were irritated by in the uh, pr- uh, finale is not here. <laughs> So they're not in Ireland anymore. They're not in Ireland. <laughs> they're just like they, it opens with her back and running into uh, Haley Duff. Sorry, Hillary Duff, and um, just Kelsey and and just you know having a Ireland. Yup, I tried. I was gonna talk them out of it, but you know, like and then they immediately you know wipe off their hands and move on <laughs> to the rest of the episode. Debbie Mazar is not in this episode, which is unfortunate. She's fabulous. But everything else that we get, I think, works really well and makes a lot of sense. And we will see what comes next. Um, The end of the episode did a very smart thing. I look forward to seeing how that is resolved. It was a good cliffhanger. um, Well performed. And I look forward to what the rest of the season, at least the start of the season, will will be. When the show is doing, it is like on track, it's like, it's like the first thing I want to watch. And it's right. so good when it's on track. <laughs> yeah, right. So hopefully it'll it will be back on track. I, I'm a little um, unenthused on one element of the this season on trailer, which has mm-hmm. to do with Josh. And uh, is he still on the show? He's still going to be on the show, but you know he's not in the 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 season trailer. His, his Irish wife. So if he just that shows up. really well. Yeah, exactly. If he just shows up and actually they broke up like a week later and now he's back and single again, I'm going to be so irritated. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, who, who knows? The rest of the show I'm super on board with. So fingers crossed. Uh, let's go to The Last OG, which had its finale, Clemenza. And I, we talked about this a few weeks ago and how excited I was to be, have been so wrong about the show and to come around on it so quickly. I really liked this last set of episodes. I thought this finale was, was terrific. And again, um, you know, it's something I was talking about with for the show, Elsa Shoemaker. This is a really kind show and that humanity and that awareness and that empathy is just, it's for, for every character and it just seeps out of the pores of the show. And that makes it the kind of show I want to make time for in a very busy viewing week. Yeah. And as much as I sort of like wasn't super keen on a lot of like the gangster stuff, it felt very chapter closing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was willing to roll with it. And that this marked a big transition stuff for Trey that I was really excited about. And a realization of like, moving forward and it's sort of a it circles back to a lot of the whole idea of like 
oh, Brooklyn's so different now, and I don't know what this means and this kind of stuff. And then the realization of, well, I can just figure out what it means. I can make a new future for myself and for my family and that and be integrated in a different sort of way. And uh, it was just, it was really, really good. And your your point about the show's overall kindness, I think is really, really good and really important. And the limits of what happens when you don't have that kindness necessarily. You make mistakes, things go kind of off the rails, or you just stay home and watch Greenleaf all day, which is the correct decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. How'd you feel about their flashback episode? It was the episode before the finale. Right. Um, I I appreciated it. I don't know that I needed it um, necessarily, but I feel like it was, I feel like they thought that they needed it to really justify the overall plot of that last episode and to set up sort of the realization that happens in that last episode. Um, but again, I didn't really need it or necessarily want it, um, mainly because it felt like a distraction from a lot of the other stuff I was really enjoying, which was watching um, Tiffany Haddish and her family and her character's family sort of navigate both their lives, but also Trey being back in their lives. And Trey trying to figure out what his role is in this new existence, this post-prison existence. Um that it was fine how did you feel about it then i liked it and i didn't expect to because i didn't really care about the earlier flashback scenes we had gotten um but i thought it worked well and i like i appreciated the performance of the actor who plays clyde but also bobby um Uh and the the differences that he was bringing out in his performance Uh, i thought that worked well and you know I, i i'm not really convinced by wavy in the finale yeah and I think that's great. They're not really trying to, you know, I, I think they don't, there's not a definitive answer to who ratted out, uh, who, who ratted out Trey and uh, caused him to, go, you know, go to jail for 15 years. And um, I like that. It, it, it shows the, his choice to, to close that chapter, as you said, and move on. And the awareness that if he follows through with his, delightfully specific godfather uh plan that will not allow him to like his his evaluation of what is most important um in in the moment and uh yeah i thought that yeah i thought that was well pretty well handled and we'll see what comes next i also really enjoy the stickler at work she's my favorite Mm -hmm. she makes me very happy um, to the point where I'm convinced that she's actually the mastermind and Wavy's just the front. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see a second season of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's such a, like you said, it's a very bright show and it's a very kind show and it's very thoughtful. And, but it's also like when it's funny, it's really, really funny. Like that whole thing with, um, What's his name? Just getting drunk at the bar and like wanting to show off his tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very good. And then Trey being like, I hunted you down by just following your credit card receipts. And then I also bought me some new Air Jordans. I'm just like, and the acknowledgement of that's fair is just, it's very good. And it's very sweet, but it's also very funny. And the matter of fact way and the easy sort of chemistry that everyone has with one another, I think speaks again to how really successful the show has been. 
Yeah. I like that characterization of Josh that they really added in in the last handful of episodes. It yeah. went a different way than I would have expected. And I also don't get the sense that everything is just fine at the end, but that, like, they're rebuilding, they're repairing, but the, it's right. not like the show's going to forget that he just, like, ditched them and didn't come home, you know, yeah. for at least one night. Uh, or forget that he's, the character is a heroin addict, mm-hmm. um, recovering addict. But, um... Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what a season two brings. If it gets a season two, has it got, has it been renewed? I haven't heard that, but I might have missed it. It hasn't. I don't think. Okay. Um, but I I want one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. I do as well. I don't think they're gonna get Tiffany Haddish, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um. Anyways, um. Let's move on to Full Frontal with Smith B, which I just wanted to mention for the sole reason. Uh. Well, two reasons. First of all, I love that they're like you all weren't listening last week. So let's do this migrant kid story again without the distraction of the C word. Um, and maybe you'll actually listen. I appreciated that. But more than anything, I just wanted to say that is how you do an apology. If you're going to do an apology, you think about what you're apologizing for and why. And you speak you know, from the heart or at least act like you're speaking from the heart. And and you speak with integrity and honesty. And so I, I bought it. I thought it was a terrific apology. And in the, I feel like this is the age of the shitty, if you were offended apology. And it was very refreshing to see Sambi school, everyone specifically all you, me too dudes on how you do an apology. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good apology for acknowledging what was happening. And, why she deployed the word and also acknowledging like what sort of what we discussed is a reclamation aspect of the C word and that kind of an aspect of it. Um, And her taking the media to task for focusing on that as opposed to the actual story that was involved in that, I think is good, even if it also sort of, inadvertently sort of called attention to the fact that she relies on a number of clips from coverage about this. Mm-hmm. And I just go, well, it's, it is getting covered. It's not being un, it's not being under necessarily documented um, by news organizations. This is just not getting the wall to wall coverage that her using a C word is getting, which is the point of both the segment and also the apology of like, yes, I did a bad thing. And, but really we should have been talking about this for 24 hours as opposed to me saying this for 24 hours. Yeah. Um, I liked the, uh, <laughs> I appreciated the lack of an apology for the people that she is not worried about offending, which right, I think yeah. was crucial <laughs> to, to me buying her actually feeling apologetic to those that she did apologize to. And um, yeah, so hopefully it won't come up again, but um, if you're going to apologize, do it well and tip the hat to Sam B, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think, I think that the show will be fine. I think that she'll be fine overall. So apart from like, I know that TBS is like, has announced that they're going to give her more, give the show a little bit more oversight because basically they were just doing whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see going forward how that transitions. And my guess is that there's not going to still not going to be a lot of oversight. Um, the guy who runs TBS, um, well, Turner Entertainment in general right now, Kevin uh, Riley, isn't one for doing that kind of a thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I suspect that they'll they'll still be able to do their thing. Yeah, I would imagine. Which is good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's move on to our last episode in Weekend TV, and that is RuPaul's Drag Race Evil Twins. I covered this over at the AV Club, so you guys can read my review for that there, just filling in for Oliver um, when he couldn't cover the show this week. But for me, this was... I, I've, I've seen very strong reactions on many sides of like as far as was this a good episode was this a bad episode uh was it a good challenge that wasn't well executed or a bad challenge well executed and who should have gone home who should have won I, I, there have been very strong responses to this episode for me i thought this was an excellent challenge that most of them didn't rise to but i think that is completely understandable because the challenge is really hard. They're like, rip open your soul on live TV. Or national TV, not live TV. But national TV. Go. I mean, like, most people wouldn't be able to honestly do that. And then the people who could um, wouldn't necessarily be willing to. So I thought it was a great challenge for this late in the game to, like, really force people to sit and verbalize and think about who they are and what their strengths and weaknesses are. But um, I just, you know, most of them, I think, didn't live up to the challenge. But like I said, I don't blame them. (laughs) Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's a really good challenge that generally was executed okay by everyone. Um, But your point about no one really wants to do this um, (laughs) is, I think, really well taken. And no one being just not the contestants, but literally anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the sort of either hedging or the unwillingness to do that sort of introspection and then put it out there for people, um, I think is powerful when it can happen. But it's also, it's sort of a weird thing in which the willingness to be vulnerable on this show is really sort of limited to certain areas. So this idea of like opening it up to the challenge, I think is really interesting from a production standpoint and a producer standpoint. Um, But it does so in a way that isn't, wasn't necessarily going to be sort of as affirming as sort of those uh, table getting ready sort of uh, discussions can be. And I think, especially when you also turn it around to being, well, so who should go home this week? And it's just like, that sort of undermines a lot of that for me as well. So that this isn't exactly a safe space, because now we're going to have you judge one another some more. And when you've allegedly have been putting your worst self forward. And it's... I know it's supposed to be part of that that joke of like we're gonna ask the evil ones who should go home, mm-hmm. but it also the entire point was to put your saboteur forward. So why would you want someone else to judge you for that? And so that seemed weird. So I think it's a really good concept that didn't get executed as well, both by the contestants but also by the show. Yeah, if that makes well, sense. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna have a week where no one goes home this is the week to do that yeah that's that's very true <laughs> yeah i i thought that um so i think some of the queens were getting read for having looks that were 
not by the show, but by the uh, fan base. And it could just be I saw a handful of tweets and that this is not a presiding overall like reaction to it. But um, I thought that there were some people who didn't see the connections I was seeing between some of the looks. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like okay, so is it just in my head? But I thought Asia's fabulous black ensemble had like hints of orange peeking out through it, right? Like in the, of, in the yeah. bodice, you know? Yeah. And so I thought that that then was a perfect pair in contrast to the orange and the white dreamsicle. So yeah. it wasn't just the, um, the, the, uh, balloons. Balloons. But yeah, but it was like orange and then white and black and, you know, covering and claustrophobic and like swallowing the black, swallowing the orange with mm-hmm. the fur and everything. Super dramatic. I thought that Aquarius looks. Because I put in my review that they have a similar uh, silhouette or outline. And it occurred to me later, like, well, people are are not going to have any idea what I'm talking about with that. Because they are very different. But they both have one sleeve that's puffed out and big on the right. And then the other one has a... The the good look has no sleeve and a long long glove. And the evil one has a tight sleeve, so it matches the arms. And they both, like, have a... Like, the one has a deep V, the other one has a V to the bust line, and that goes back. So, like, even though they look completely different, they both had, like, the the high tights. Yeah. For me, they were actually very similar in, like, structure. One just had a poofy skirt over the side and, you know, didn't have the skin. And one had (laughs) bone, yeah. But, like, for me, they were actually very, like, very clearly thematically connected. Whereas somebody like Miss Cracker's was not at all connected with the two ideas. I wish, I wish she had done the vampire thing because how yeah. perfect a pair for like a French courtier, Marie Antoinette thing would that have been like vampires in the French. Yeah. That's like where that imagery comes from. <laughs> it could have been so, so well matched. Uh, whereas for me, the Cameron looks were two one for one. So the, there wasn't enough creativity there. I, I mean, I would have, I would have sent Cameron home but i because i also think she didn't dig deep i liked that we got a much stronger sense of her personality like she finally is not able to hide (laughs) her personality and she's like oh oh i'm just i'm so sad big smile that i that i sent someone home trying to repress the smile but it's still coming through like cameron i mean we can we can see you (laughs) like i know that you feel like you need to say that and i'm sure some part of it is genuine but like like we're seeing, you, you're not hiding the bitchiness effectively. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I like that, even despite that, we, you know, as being maybe a, a less flattering look for Cameron. Uh, I like that we are getting some sense of personality, and I thought Eureka did a good job. I thought, I mean, I wasn't super bowled over. I think that the the reads she had for herself were, were somewhat um, superficial, but I thought the delivery was so terrific that it she did a really good job. I don't. Do you have thoughts on any of these? Did you? Mm, about like, did you have a favorite look? Did you were you as bowled over by Aquarius looks as Rue was? Um, I agree with you about Cameron's. Like, it's too much of a one for one. Um, I don't agree that it's like costuming, costumey. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because like that's just Cameron's sort of aesthetic in a lot of ways, and I'm okay with that. Um, and I've never nest, and so that that didn't bother me. Um. I was really bowled over by, like, the evil twin look a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much, like, the good twin. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I still think that they're... It was still really compelling and really well put together. And I think that's what matters. Yeah. Um, um, Eureka's, like you said, were fine. Like, I appreciate the uh, the sort of clearly demonstrating two different influences, and I liked that. Um, but it just... It didn't feel like anything that we hadn't seen or knew from her before. So it was just like, okay... Um, I did really like Asia's both looks though a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I love that uh, wig, the bow, yeah, with the hairs like that's a cracker thing to do, and I love it. Yeah, no, it was, and I really, really like that. And I really, I do feel like I'm just like very on board like Asia's train at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I acknowledge a degree of bias in this, but it's yeah, I, I just I really like the pr- approach that she took of being really theatrical without overselling it basically is what it kind of boiled down to and i liked that a lot yeah i liked the um like when she was on the runway in character as the evil twin or whatever and then she um got some praise or whatever and she had a big smile open up and i was like oh that's mm-hmm. even creepier because it's yeah. that big warm gorgeous pageant smile from asia but like still so fierce and creepy <laughs> with everything else it was fun um i how'd you feel about asia's read of cracker i feel like she was a little unnecessarily harsh there yeah i do agree with you it's it was harsh and the whole note at the end it was just like mm, no it's yeah. not that i don't buy that um so i'm very much there with that it's just like no this this is a little too late guys mm-hmm. um so yeah no it felt it felt it did feel harsh yeah yeah, like unnecessarily. So I, I appreciate her being like, "No, we're not. I'm not going to say like, well, my greatest competition is like that's that's a cop out." So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention about this, oh, Cheyenne Jackson was fun. I like. I did like Asia's pancake the best, specifically for the mushroom and olive eyes looking over to the mm-hmm. side. Like I appreciated the side glance there. It's such a little thing. Um, but the other thing I have to mention is RuPaul. You don't get to go on and on about how vulnerability is strength. And it's so important to to put yourself out there and really expose your flaws and be willing to do that. And then your your saboteur is rude, Paul. Not even like just a complete caricature, not that funny, not interesting at all, with nothing meaningful or vulnerable to say at all. So you're expecting these queens to rip themselves open and you won't even give your alter ego one thing, like one cutting thing to say, come on. Oh, and that gets back to what I was saying about the, from the challenge being really good in concept, but not necessarily good in execution across a couple of different levels. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was a point that really bothered me as well. And I just sort of forgotten about, um, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on what's going to happen in the next episode? Because after this episode, it's like they really clearly delineate a top three and a bottom two. And I don't see anything happening next week that isn't Cameron goes home. So, like, I don't know how they're going to try to drum up suspense when it just feels really clear, really evident based on this challenge that we have a top three or even you could argue a top two and Cameron. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't. I feel like there's no way Cameron doesn't go home next week. Like, um, it just feels like a bad choice because if they had kept Cracker, 
then you wouldn't be saying that as much. Yeah, right. No, absolutely. But Cameron's been in the bottom three times now. Yeah, and also just as much as I sort of like Cameron's aesthetics, some some most of the time it's also just like she's not doing enough really, Mm -hmm. and so yeah, we'll see. Um, I am worried that just given the fact that we're doing another dance thing, it's just like oh good, we get more Eureka stuff with the dance anxiety, and it's just like oh we're we're dipping back into that well, okay, but I thought we got over this. And yes, Tadra Hall, but can't we just please bring back uh, Alyssa? I would much rather see Alyssa again. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Todrick, Todrick's exasperation with people is, has grown stale. Yes. <laughs> well, on that note, lest we grow stale ourselves, what wins your week in TV? Um, What does win my week in TV? I did enjoy Reverie's Bond, Jane Bond episode. Um, I thought it was fun. Um, I'm still waiting for the show to take kind of a jump. Um, but I think I'll give it to, I guess, Cloak and Dagger, um, is the thing I'm, like, as a, I'm very excited about watching more going forward, I think is what I'm going to give it to. Um, since everything else I've watched this week was mostly just fine. Uh, what about you? Oh, it's not even close. It's obviously Sensate. Uh, and well, that's not fair. You watched it like two weeks ago, and I didn't have time to watch it today. That's okay. We'll talk about it next week, everyone. I love it so much. It was so great. And like, obviously, when I rewatch it, it won't be as good because I won't be in a theater full of people who absolutely love the show, and we won't be like cheering when the bean comes up in the Chicago credits because it's Chicago. Yeah, cheer for Chicago because that's the kind of audience it was. It was wonderful. Um, but I, I really loved it. So that win still. It won. It basically won last week, and well, the Americans won last week, but yeah, that and then this week, and then it'll be a strong contender next week. So now we will. <laughs> you take can't a break. use it next week. That's I, cheating. Well, I can cheat if I want to. <laughs> I, I'm gonna miss Sensate, but at least it goes out well. Anyways, we'll talk about it next week. <sighs> now we'll take a break, listen to a clip or a trailer, probably, and the theme song, and come back with our dive in on the season 4.0, the first half of season four of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. You're singing that wrong. How? I made it up. I thought this job would be keeping things fun, Kimmy style. It's Friday. What or who are we getting into tonight? Oh, Cheryl, you are bad. I know you're just a sweet girl who don't know how to act. When you moved in here, you had boundary issues. What are we doing today? I want to ride an escalator. Why hasn't my favorite client been answering his phone? Not like you call for good news. I got you that stock footage gig. Is that what that was? Is this going to turn into a porno or not? And it never did. Zach wants me to fire one of the coders. I never want to make people feel sad. I'm not an Eeyore. I'm a poo. I'm a big old poo. Go fast. We the family fish. Are there no good men in this dang country? You couldn't possibly understand what it is like to be a male today. Like, how come when your body makes milk, it's beautiful? Squeeze me? Kabir filed a sexual harassment complaint against you. Why? I don't want you to feel embarrassed. Embarrassing stuff can happen to anyone. Uh-oh! Unbreakable, they lie, damn it! It's America! 
fascinating transition. Damn it! That was the wonderful toe tapping, and I love it so very much. Theme song to Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Now, the season 4.0, the first half of the final season of the show, dropped recently on Netflix, so we wanted to talk about it here a bit. But I have not seen much of season three. Um, so there's a few things at the beginning of season four here that are threads from last season, but I feel like you can just kind of dive in. I don't feel like I was missing that much. Um, so I have my thoughts, but before I give them, I want to know, first of all, did you watch all season three, Noel? And what did you think of the first half of season four? I did watch all of season three, but I feel like I don't remember that much of it, (laughs) um, which isn't great. Um, I remember like bits and pieces about it um but i also feel like i've somehow combined season two into season three and i don't know how that happened Mm. um but like you said i think that a lot of season four you can pretty much just dive in because even like the quote unquote new theme song um acknowledges this is the show now we've retooled it Mm. um and so you can sort of watch it basically having just watched like season one um in a lot of ways and little aspects of season two um and so i really appreciated that as someone who really maybe should have rewatched season three (laughs) (laughs) but it doesn't matter because the whole little girl big city thing sort of allows you to shift gears just a little bit plus the show's just not that involved in its continuity this at least so far yeah um Apart from basically, like, Kimmy meets an old friend is sort of, like, the limits of the continuity that they're necessarily involved in. Because, man, even Mike, Mikey doesn't even, like, really come back in this season. So, which made me sad because I like him so much. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, Mikey's pretty great. The The trouble I'm having with this. So, uh-huh. okay, I'm just going to rip off the Band-Aid. I didn't think this was funny and I didn't laugh. I might have laughed once. I didn't mm-hmm. laugh more than that. Um, it feels really uh, didactic and like they don't yeah. have anything new to say. And I feel like I am hearing the writers, not the characters. Uh, I Like they give opinions and perspectives to Kimmy and Titus and Lillian that I don't believe are driven by their experiences at all. And so it just feels like Tina Fey and Robert Carlock reaching through to talk about some of this stuff. And that is not interesting to me. It's not interesting for, to me for many reasons. First of all, because I'm not laughing. And if I was laughing, that would make a big difference. But second of all, I already know what, <laughs> I already have a sense, I should say, of what Tina Fey thinks about a lot of the social justice issues and uh, like political correctness and some of these other issues that come up. And I think their opinions are stupid. <laughs> so um, if she's not going to have funny things, maybe don't remind us that Jacqueline is supposed to be Native American. And when people called you out for the the you know, racial air quotes humor and some of the choices in the show, your response was to dismiss any concerns and just not actually engage in a meaningful way with these topics. So when you have other characters refusing to engage when you have Kimmy refusing to engage with her um, harassment of her coworkers. Like I don't believe Kimmy harassing her coworkers. I don't like, I can get her not understanding boundaries. So I thought they did a good job comparing it to the beginning of the show for that, but I don't, 
I don't think they earned some of these things that they were doing. And I think they just wanted to be topical. And I think there are better ways you can do that. And again, like I say, a lot is a lot is going to be helped if I'm laughing. But I just, yeah. I just wasn't. It, it felt very... Um, maybe it was not helped by... I marathoned these. So maybe if I had spaced them out more... I would have, it would have felt a little pressure, but I, it didn't feel like I was getting anything new. So um, am I just a harsh, uh, a harsh critic here who's letting my my irritation with some of Tina Fey's politics get in the way of my appreciation of the show? What do, what do you what do you think, Noel? No, I don't think that you're letting it get in the way. I do agree with you that the season, especially the last three episodes in particular, are to borrow your to borrow your phrasing really didactic um and i do think that there is clearly a desire to be very topical and to be that on a streaming platform is difficult and ridiculous thing to achieve sort of thing it very much felt like well we're gonna do this really fast like a really quick turnaround sort of thing um and I don't fully agree that there's a sense of like, these are not things that these characters would not say. Um, Lillian, especially in season three, kind of just becomes a mouthpiece for a lot of stuff. (laughs) Um, So her um, disrupts the paradigm episode of kids and their phones type of thing is like really tiring and really exhausting and disrupts the paradigm is for me by far and away, like the least good episode in this. It's very boring. There's nothing funny in it. There's nothing inventive to say about Ugh, kids these days and their phones and just it's youths without being funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was like really frustrating, but I think that a lot of this is, I do think that a lot of Kimmy's sort of realizations about, particularly, again, in the second half of, like, figuring out what happened to her and what this means is, like, a systemic sort of issue, I think is interesting. I don't think that the show does enough to justify it, but I do find it generally sort of funny is the thing, is that I was laughing a good bit. I was, like, sending quotes to people. Most of them were the non-sequitur quotes of, like, it's overdue, just like this library book that I've been using for abs. <laughs> uh, um, I, I So, like, a lot of the non-sequiturs I found really funny. Um, I liked the whole capsule Tylenol thing to be just really bizarre but also just deeply a part of how the show treats corporate sort of culture I thought was really funny um so I do think that there's a lot of humor but I do think that there's a good deal of didacticism didacticism um in it that the show hasn't leaned in as hard on before and I'm trying a lot of what I was I'm curious about is whether or not this the decision to do that, given that they knew that they were going in for a last season, was that they were just wanting to make some sort of a mark and that this was how they were going to do that, since they don't have good news anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... I'm trying to remember, was were the previous seasons as serialized as this? I felt like that was a um, change. 
Sort of. Like, season three, I think, is kind of serialized a bit more. Um, let me double check to see. Yeah, season three is a lot more serialized. Um, okay. Because it has the whole Washington Redskins thing happening with um, Josh Charles' character. Um, God, he's so good at playing a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that the serialization aspect is, is something that like comes forward a lot more in season three. Okay. Then, cause of course I haven't seen that. So that makes sense then. Um, I really enjoyed Bobby Monahan, uh, Moynihan, sorry, I should say as, as Fran Dodd. Um, oh my God, it's so good. He's very funny. Um, I, I don't really care for all the, the Richard Wayne, Gary Wayne stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I find the shows like. To me, the show feels more interested in him than it does in Kimmy at times. And yeah. that is a problem for me. <laughs> just because I, he's not that interesting. I think like it's just, it's a funny performance and everybody likes John Hamm. But I, f- I feel like that has overshadowed the character and, and Kimmy as a character. And, and anytime your show is more interested in the, your, your lead character's abuser than your lead character, you've got a problem. Um, Maybe that's just me, but uh, yeah, I, the the arc of her, of her moving towards becoming like a children's author or a YA novelist, I think, is interesting. The backpack thing didn't work for me, but um, I could see. What that I was really, for. I was really worried that they were going to kill Jan, and I was fully prepared to like put that in. I was getting very sad, Kate. I was mm-hmm. very worried that they were going to kill Jan. Well, because it got so if it, it, it got so dark. Yes. Right before, and if it had if it hadn't gotten quite as dark, I would have felt maybe like they were gonna go through with it. But I was like, no, that would mess her up for too long. <laughs> so I don't think they're gonna do. I it. was fully prepared to put that in our like TV smorgasbordy worst deaths moment. Yeah. Of yeah. Jan the backpack. Indeed, indeed, going on adventures. Um, the 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 stuff with with Jacqueline and um. Zan is it her daughter her adopted daughter or whatever um, her stepdaughter stepdaughter yeah. thank you um i actually really liked i liked that performer yeah. a lot and i was glad when she showed back up hopefully the picture on the desk means we'll see more of her um in the future uh i liked what we got like the like the soda gags in the beauty and the beast like the this is nowhere near the top tier of kimmy's songs but no. but the just i thought that that whole running thing was very funny and just that it's not even reacted to uh for most of the people in the production i i thought was lovely i also missed mikey and am not looking forward to um what's coming with that character if they continue to manipulate him as much as we saw here because i because i care so much about mikey i'm like titus you need to stop like manipulating and like mistreating this guy because he's great and let him have his new boyfriend even if you know we want you crazy kids to get back together yeah that i feel the same way um he's just he's so lovable (laughs) that um even really silly machinations of like i've started a tv show with greg kinnear because i googled non-dangerous white man (laughs) (laughs) and he was the first result Greg Um, does love love yeah he does love love um so but yeah I don't want Mikey to get hurt because he's just such a he's such a doofus yeah um and but he fits Titus so well so I, I don't want that to like be sullied yeah 
indeed. I guess I know the answer to this based on the fact that you feel like they're focusing too much on um, Richard Wayne, Gary Wayne. Um, but I did appreciate Potty, Party Monster scratching the surface, which is the third episode of their send up of a Netflix true crime documentary at this point. Um, and their decision of like house flicks. Um, even if I feel like another show sort of like did this sort of Netflix. Well, no, it's not a net net that another show has done this. It's that the Joel McHale show with the Joel McHale has basically done this a lot. already. (laughs) Um, so, um, as much as I sort of enjoyed this, it does reinforce your perspective that they care more about Richard Gain where Richard Wayne, Gary Wayne, but it also sets up for me a lot of what comes forward with the realizations, but also the Fran Dodd stuff and the desire to lampoon a lot of that. Well, men, men mm-hmm. are type of stuff I think is where the importance comes through. But I also just really sort of enjoyed that episode overall. Yeah. I'm, a slizzard lizard, right, is a very yeah. good pun. And yeah. it does lead to all the stuff we get with Fran, which is mm-hmm. funny. Um, but no, I really didn't care. I yeah. really, and, and that's because I feel like a much better parody of all this stuff was just American Vandal. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know? It was very much American Vandal. Which it's just like both of those things. So, yeah. um, and, and also if you only get six episodes and you've got these characters and I, especially when I felt like they were underserving, like. I wanted them to be giving more interesting things to Ellie Kemper. Cause yeah. like she has the potential to be amazing on this show. And I felt like she was pretty much one note throughout the season. If you only have six episodes and you're going to do a spotlight episode, why is, why is this what you're going to do? Um, so yeah, it was, I think outside of the context of other things, it was fine. It was entertaining. There was, um, like yeah, the performances are good. Obviously, they're that. Like I said, the cast is all very funny. But um, I just wasn't interested in that character. I didn't need more time with him, and I just wanted to be spending. Like, why can't we get an episode all about Mikey following him? I that's much more interesting to me. Yeah, and I think that would have been more interesting too. Um, since Mikey's a character that we still like, we need to know a little bit better. I feel like. Um, Though he his his coming out to his family episode's very good. Mm-hmm. Um I do I do like I did read a little bit about this episode and initially they were just going to sort of have this playing in the background for a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. And that they sort of made the decision that it was going to be like a full episode as opposed to it's just something that they sort of half watched. Sort of like Girls on the Town or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, that this was something that they were actively like going to have on. And so that, and then they also have another like format sort of breaking episode coming up. I think that there's a Sliding Doors parody, which is super timely mm-hmm. um, coming up as well. So we'll see how this goes in their final season. Um, so, Kate, like how deeply disturbed were you to see Diane not be Diane? And <laughs> I, yeah, I appreciated uh, her popping up. Uh, the actress, of course, listeners who plays Diana Black, Marcy Martin, yeah, yeah, shows up as Aisha, right? And and she yeah. gets to sing, which is fun. Yeah, which is uh, good. Yeah, yeah, that was that was I. It was a little strange to me because it felt like stunt casting, but only for yeah. one role. 
And yes. then they didn't yeah. cast any of the other kids in the show. And I felt like you could have. And then it would have been, like, even more entertaining. So I'm yeah. guessing that they just no one like her <laughs> and that's yeah. how they, but um she was very good in her like two scenes and i'm glad she got to sing i have a feeling she enjoys that seeing as they've worked that into blackish a couple times mm-hmm. um yeah but no that was a little unusual i liked i did really like her dress though her bell dress yes and yeah. especially it being the fact that they went with it being a, like a light green felt like a shout out to tiana even though i haven't seen princess and the frog but i know doesn't she have like a light green dress she does, but I think you're. I think you're missing what it was. Probably it was Sprite. Oh Kate. well, yes, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like <laughs> they could have done a lot. They could have done orange, and it was crushed. They could have done like yeah. They could have done lots of things. Um. Yeah. So maybe that's all it was. But for me, that's what I was seeing when I, you know, when I looked at her, and I was, I thought that that was lovely. Um. Even if it was unintentional, and <laughs> yeah, I. I also will be thinking about, I, I hope to see some more Kimmy cosplay at Comic-Con. Usually there's one or two Kimmy's running around, but her, oh, good. Yeah. her fabulous, like that girl coat and everything, or sorry, Mary mm-hmm. Tyler Moore ensemble. Yeah. Um, I look forward to seeing, I was enjoying the various posts <laughs> that popped up online. Cause apparently that's the same coat that Meghan Markle wore in public for like one of their photo, like the, for their engagement ring kind of reveal okay. picture or something like yeah. that, which is delightful. <laughs> so yeah, I continue to really, really um, entertained and impressed by a lot of the production elements and some of the, the the scoring and the music and and I just wish I just don't feel like the writing is there in the way that it used to be, and um, I think it's time I'm ready. Yeah, for a this I do. Done. This I do agree with. I do think that there's been a decline in a, a fairly steady decline in the writing overall. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's still something that just, like, tickles me a great deal. Um, Even if I don't necessarily remember a lot of it afterwards. Um, I'm still tickled by the hijinks of these people. And and some of the just random psych gags of Mike Tyson's face tattoo. um, Written in... (laughs) I'm all here for Busy Phillips being more present in the next half season. I Yeah, I really hope that, like, that continues into the second half. Because it's just... That's such a good energy for them to exploit that I just want all of that all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't buy it for a second. I think it's ridiculous and I don't think it makes any sense. But they're going to contrive a reason for Busy Phillips to hang out with this ensemble and yeah. do funny things uh, with Lillian and get some cash. Then yay. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and timeshares and wherever that place was. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a little disappointing for me because I wish I cared about the show as much as I used to. Because I used to yeah. really be invested. So maybe the second half of the season will bring it around. I don't know if I will seek it out, but, um, you know, maybe maybe I will. I'm much more likely to now, I think, having seen the first half and knowing that's just like another six or seven Um than I was before because I felt like I needed to watch season three before I watched season four. And so when I got over that, um, yeah, that, that helps. So maybe I'll watch the end, but, um, yeah, I'm not confident that this cast will get another show, even like individually with as much potential to really exploit their strengths as this one has given them. And so that's why I think I'm so, disappointed and, and maybe a little snarky about it because 
uh, they're also good and so underserved in other projects that they've done. So hopefully, hopefully the writers have some cards at their sleeve and I will be decrying my foolish per, uh, perspective on this half season once the rest of the, the final season comes out. So either Fingers way, crossed. yes, <laughs> thank you, Noel, so much for prompting me to to check this one out um a few show notes here at the end of the episode you guys can find a post for this episode over at the where you can leave us a comment and i'll make sure it doesn't go to spam <laughs> and you can let us know what you thought of the week's tv you can email us the televerse at gmail.com you can like our page on facebook start up a conversation there or you can find us on a twitter or sorry you can find us in itunes with an m4a chapter feed and mp3 unchapter feed as well as in stitcher and we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place and of course we are both on twitter i'm at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk and yeah again if listener, if you're out there who lost the thing about the Americans, I didn't get to finish reading it. I want to know what you think about Paige. If I'm just crazy, please ignore my ramblings. Uh, it has been a pleasure as always, Noel. Yeah, it was. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> thank you, Noel. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Thank you.